and this is episode 15 with Enrique Serna. You love it. You are great at it. The world needs it. You are paid for it. In this program, we go deep to get answers to essential questions and learn how to develop key skills to live a life that moves you. This is the Beyond the Surface Podcast. I hope you are ready because I have a local media legend in the room. My guest has spent four decades as a broadcast journalist where he's interviewed newsmakers and celebrities from former presidents to music icons. He's the recipient of nine Northwest Emmy Awards. In 2003, the Seattle Weekly featured him as Best TV Host, and in 2006, Seattle Magazine named him one of the most influential people of the year, among many other honors. Enrique Serna is the senior correspondent at KCTS9, and in this episode, we'll explore his beginnings, the highs and lows of his extensive career. We'll also talk about his battle against depression and what drives him to continue his journey as a broadcast journalist. Enrique, welcome. Well, thank you. Good to be here, Alonso. Appreciate it. First, I... So you recently turned 64. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> so belated happy birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now you were born in Yakima Valley in Washington State. Yeah. You're Yak- one of five. In the city of Yakima. City yeah. of Yakima. Yeah, yeah. You're one of five children, son of Mexican immigrants, parents immigrated with your three oldest siblings in 1946. Now I want to talk about your career in a minute, but before, um, there was something in, when I was reading your blog that caught my attention, which mm. is that that you said that you struggled with depression since you were uh, 34. Uh, I, I was just, just a little curious. What do you think uh, were the attributes, what aspects of your life were the cause of these uh, depression that you started developing yeah. at 34? Yeah. I was 34 when it hit hard. But I think that I had struggled with it from the time that I was probably a teenager. And um, and I think they're a combination of things. I think there were kind of the racial discrimination that I you know encountered growing up, which you know can affect your own confidence. I think that I never really felt completely confident when I was when I first went to college about am I college material? Am I really there? I worked very hard to try to prove to myself that I was you know I that I can do it that I could go to college that I could get a degree mm. same thing in in uh going into uh you know the broadcast journalism being one of the few really the only latino at washington state at the time and this was in the 70s and being one of the very few people of color there i think that there also were people that kind of wondering like okay really does he belong here or does he really deserve to get a job uh, I was very fortunate to get a yeah. job in Seattle right out of school. So would it make sense to say that uh, a big factor of this uh, depression was the the race? I think it was a component. Component. I think it was a part of it. But I think that that was one thing. But there was also just the pressure that I put on myself mm. to try to achieve and constantly wanting to achieve, never feeling like I was completely... Uh, 
people will tell me. I completely get you. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, people will tell me that, well, you seem so confident. And, and mm -hmm. uh, of course, I've been doing this for a long time. What, uh, you know, when I moderate something, when I report something, when I write a story, when I produce or whatever. Um, but it, it, it's it, every kind of one of them is, a, is a, a new experience and a challenge. Some of them are easier than others. But I think there's that sense of that, okay, am I good enough? And I think that that's one of the things that I, I really struggled with. And I, I think I probably still do. And, and I think that probably had a lot to do with just putting so much pressure on myself about wanting to succeed and whether feeling that I was good enough to do it had, had mm -hmm. you know, a lot to do with that. There was also, you know, my mother died suddenly uh, mm -hmm. in 1982 and she was only 68 and we were very close. Mm -hmm. And uh, looking back on it, I think that that had, you know, some real impact on me because she was um, very, very much the supporter and always encouraging and just, you know, she was my mother and, and just, she was a mom. No, oh, yeah. So uh, having her die suddenly like that was it was tough to deal with and then also helping my dad you know as he was adjusting through all of that and because he lived until he was 92 and um oh wow that's a lot yeah, of years yeah yeah his side of the family they have some pretty good genes <laughs> you know mm. and uh so for my dad you know it was also helping him adjust after mom died and 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 you build to a point i think sometimes where you hit a wall and so at 34 i think i hit the wall I wanted to transition to talk about your career. One of the things that when I was looking at this part of your story is uh, with so many years, because you've been doing this for decades. It's yeah. incredible. This is my, I'm going, well, it's over 42 years. And, yeah. you know, for decades and uh, you were doing local TV. Did you ever thought about um, doing national TV? I had a couple of opportunities uh, very early on. I got a call from ABC News. I, I'd actually gone to a, the National Hispanic Journalists of Color Conference in L.A. You know, of course, you meet lots of different people there. And I met a guy from ABC. And, um, you know, we talked. I gave him my tape. Because they had booths where you could go up and do this stuff. And he called me out of the blue. And at the time, they wanted someone to uh, come to Miami, be based out of there, and mm -hmm. then cover Central America. Wow. Um, and uh, I was, like, juiced about the whole idea. But I also told him, too, I said, you know what? I don't want to just be a producer. I want to be a correspondent. He goes, oh, really? And and then he goes, well, you know, actually, you know, we have an opening for that out of L.A. And, and uh, so, but I was married and uh, we had a small, my daughter was like, you know, two. And my wife, my then wife, I think while she was, she was happy for me that, you know, I would kind of get this opportunity. But just the idea of suddenly having to, to move and away from her family and we had a little girl and all of that. The family didn't want. Right, right. So you 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 decided to put family first. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, no, 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 no. I mean, I was like, you know, I... I really wanted to pursue it, but it would it would have meant a huge change mm -hmm. because probably would have meant I'd have been gone a lot, mm. and I had a little girl and all of those things. So it was like I, a lifestyle that you weren't willing to sign up for, even though it sounded exciting. Yeah, I think when you know, when you're at the network level, and particularly 
your life revolves around what they want you to do. And uh, I've had you know a number of friends that were that work for ABC, NBC, and all of that. Mm -hmm. And particularly if you're you know you're cover correspondent uh, covering daily stuff that's happening in the world, yeah. it's like okay, something blows up. Well, you got to go. That can even happen on the local level. I mean, it happened when I was working at Como. It's like okay, you get a call yeah. at, at two, three in the morning saying. There's this big uh, fire, or there's been a murder, or that type of thing, and you you got to get up and you got to go. And you in I've had times where like I was gone for you know several days out covering something, and um, you know you just it's the news, it's what's happening, and so you yeah. it's it's not a nine to five deal it's, yeah. no it's not like you're working banker's hours it's like you got to go and you got to you got to do the job and you got to make sure that you're going to be there doing the job until it's they say it's done that and then you can come back so so yeah i had i made made a decision well had to make the decision about you know um no i wasn't going to work and i didn't want to i, I didn't want to mess up my family yeah. at the time so yeah now, uh, the most interesting person you've ever interviewed, you said, was the story of Vernon Baker, which is um, a black soldier that because of racism and segregation, it took 15 years the army to recognize him with a right. Medal of Honor. Right. So you already talked about who's your favorite. So I wanted to kind of flip the script on you and say, who was your worst <laughs> interview and why? <laughs> oh, well, you know, I, I'd have to say the, the, the most difficult, well, the most out of control interview that I, I just could not control it at all. It just got, it went, was Bill Cosby. And Cosby was like, from the moment that he walked in the door, he just, uh, and everybody from the station came in to watch it, you know, because mm -hmm. we had an audience. I just, you know, I, I I, sort of had an idea about how I wanted it to go and mm -hmm. kind of the flow of the story. I couldn't do it because he just, he he took control of the interview. He just sort of like, and it, and it went everywhere. And I just, I just said, okay. I quit. I'm just going to listen to him and we'll you know, piece this thing together. But that was that was the most, it was the strangest and the most difficult and out of control experience, you know, that I have to really say that I, 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 I walked out of that thing and I was sort of exhausted because I just, and felt kind of deflated because I couldn't, couldn't control it. And uh, in what way you couldn't control it? What was he because was every time I would ask a question, you know, I, I started in a certain way and I was looking to go in a certain direction, mm -hmm. and then he would like, you know, I think probably one of the one of the problems was is that if, looking back on that, I wouldn't have had an audience because I think he was playing to everybody that was there. He started doing that, you know, because he that's kind of the entertainer type of thing he got was it. doing. So he was and talking to them instead of you. That's how it got to be, yeah, yeah. And then he would just go off on these tangents, you know. What would you say from your four decades doing this, what have been the most effective strategies or tactics or maybe prompts that you learned to use to be able to get Back that conversation back. without being rude. Well, part of it is that uh, you got to listen. You know, I think uh, a lot of times I might have a series of questions or, or whatever, 
but I'm, I'm, I try to be very aware of that, you know, people might say something that, that will be, that you didn't expect. And then you want to go down that road with them because they might open up and tell you something that you didn't know, mm -hmm. you know, like I probably did that with you here. But um, then sometimes it's like, well, let me go back to, and you did this, mm -hmm. you know, well, well, I, I want to go back to, you know, this particular point or, uh, or maybe it's something that they said and you have a quote and you can say uh, that you could bring that quote up or let's, let's go back to this uh, situation that's happening right now. And, uh, you know, here in Seattle and uh, regarding police relations or mm -hmm. whatever, you, you kind of, you know, you look for that time where you can, uh, maybe they take a breath or whatever, and then you, you kind of gradually do this. But I want to go back and talk about this one point. Why did that didn't work with Bill? Because he, he just, because he, uh, I think he was just like he was doing a stage show. How do you plan and prepare for an interview? And if you would mind walking through it in detail like what does your process look like uh, it, it depends on who the person is or uh who i'm quincy I'm jones interviewing. quincy jones uh well i main thing was is that uh spending some time you know thank god for google <laughs> you know that you can uh -huh. you know spend some time looking at his history and where and and all of those types of things I, I try to find one of the people that I I, I like in his interviews uh, is this uh, I think his name is James Lipton he he uh, does the Actors Studio on Bravo I don't even know if they still do it anymore but um, uh, he you know he teaches at whatever the school is in New York and usually they have you know a prominent actor or actress. And, you know, he's seated at a desk. and But what he does is that he finds these little nuggets about the individual that sort of surprises them about, how did you find that out? And that's often what I really tried to do, is tried to find something about the person or whatever that they could give me and it would be a personal moment, you know, that, that would really resonate and hit. And sometimes it was something that was already out there. It was in the book they were maybe talking about or, or whatever. And, and you were able to just kind of bring it back out. And, and, and they, you know, it just, it just make the conversation memorable. If you had to think of three people that you would like to interview but that you haven't been able to yet <laughs> so far, who, who comes to mind? Wow, three people. That's, that's actually, that's, that's very good. Well, you know, one person uh, I'd like to interview him because I I, uh, I still admire him uh, as a journalist a lot is Dan Rather. He's got such history going back, you know, with uh, covering Watergate and, well, Vietnam, Watergate, all of these things. And now he's what, he's still in his 80s and he's still doing some stuff. And I just kind of find him a fascinating individual, but also the, the, the fact that, you know, He's stuck. He's he hasn't given up. He's in his eighties and he's still doing it. And I think he'd he'd be he'd be a fascinating interview to do and and talk to, and particularly in these times, you know, with with what's happening mm -hmm. with uh, the Trump administration and fake news, and mm -hmm. they're just you know the way they deal with the media. Mm -hmm. And I think that that would be be a 
really good. It would be a fun interview to mm-hmm. do. So I, uh, and I would find it interesting for myself. And I think maybe that more more of a yeah. personal thing. Yeah. Trying to think of other people here because I know they're. I, I'm sure that. Uh, I know they're there that I that I I really have wanted to try. Oh, I know Bill Russell. Mm. You know who Bill Russell nope. is? Okay, Bill Russell played played for the Boston Celtics. Won mm-hmm. I don't know how many championships. Um, was the first uh, African American. Mm. He was a player coach in uh, uh, you know for the Celtics. The actually the NBA championship trophy I think is ma- named after him now. Trying to think of uh, anybody else that you know really would like to have on on the list. There's, gosh, there's just so many people. I think one of the person I would uh, I would like to interview mm-hmm. uh, at some time is, is a guy named Jorge Ramos. Oh, I love Jorge yeah, Ramos. Univision. Yes, he's the anchor, and yes. uh, you know who's been very much out there about you know immigration and. He's become an advocate, really. Well, he's a very he's you know, he's uh, I think he's definitely developed a unique character oh, as a journalist yeah. that you know I mean he's kind of like going his way. Well, he's hard hitting, but you know I I admire his work. I admire his tenacity as as a journalist, and so that is someone that I definitely would 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 like to talk to at some time and things like that. And I'm sure I'll think of somebody else as soon as we get done here. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, uh, we're getting close to wrapping up and I have a new section I added to the podcast which is called the How I Work. Okay. And it's a series <laughs> of rapid fire questions. It's one answer, short answers. Sure. And starting with the first one is, uh, what's your morning routine like? I usually wake up... Um, for whatever reason, my internal clock is I wake up at five or six and um, usually by six, I turn on either my radio, but usually my iPhone and I listen to NPR's morning edition. Um, get up, um, you know, have some coffee, get some, get something uh, uh, to eat and get ready for the day and get in. One word that best describes how you work. Let's see. And you can always skip. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can say pass, you yeah. know. So um, I would say um, consistently. Mm, yeah. All right. Yeah. A current computer. <laughs> it's old. I have a Sony Vio. App software tools you can't live without. Oh, absolutely. Uh, kind of your basics with uh, just uh, Word and um, <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, uh, now Instagram because I use that. Although I I wouldn't have to say I can't live without that. Um, uh, Google, obviously, that's the the other one. What's your workspace setup like? I'm uh I I kind of live on an island, you know, uh at, at KCTS the third floor is kind of the content we now we we call it like a newsroom. I'm over in a corner by the window and up against a wall and so I'm probably one of the few people that has a bookcase and that I've managed to keep, you know, my kind of my space. Mm-hmm. And I uh and I have a stand up uh situation, you know, oh, nice. that situation, yeah. And then I have some photos like i got a mm-hmm. i got a picture of the beatles you know this kind of mm-hmm. really nice little thing that i had framed what's your best time 
what's your best time-saving tactic or life hack? Oh, okay. Preparing food and, and making sure that I'm eating healthy as mm -hmm. best as I can. I think, I think the same thing for work, you know, just kind of laying things out ahead of time or trying to have things ready so that when I, particularly like in the morning about, you know, what I'm going to wear or what I'm, you know, everything laid out so I can just grab it and, and, and not have to rush too much. The other thing is making a list. What I need to get done in a day. Usually I do that. And, um, and then kind of other things. So you things. write it down on a paper? Oh yeah. 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 I usually always write it down on paper. So, okay. you know, occasionally I'll, put it in my phone and send mm -hmm. it to me. What do you listen while at work? What do I listen to at work? Um, yeah. Well, uh, sometimes because I'm just, I want to block all the noise out mm -hmm. from around me, uh, I'll pop on Pandora <laughs> uh -huh. or I'll pop on uh, a, like a YouTube concert from like, Uh, it can vary from from uh, the big Bruce Springsteen fan. I'm a mm -hmm. big uh, Los Lobos fan. <laughs> what What are you currently reading? Bruce Springsteen's book <laughs> about his. Uh, it's his memoir. Yeah. Uh, what's your sleep routine like? Oh, bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know it's real, real true. Well, for one thing, I use a CPAP machine. So, which you know, a CPAP machine. CPAP machine. Yeah, because mm -hmm. like, I have sleep apnea mm. and um i tr my goal is to try to get to bed by 10 o'clock every night now before we get to the last question um where can people find you online online uh at it, enriquecerna.com yeah uh <laughs> i'll put the links in the, in yeah, the yeah, show notes yeah for yeah sure. yeah do that yeah so the last question is uh You can take your time for this one. Uh, if today was your last day on earth and everything you've created was all to disappear, but you could leave your loved ones and the world behind with three truths about life, what would those be? Um, love your family, mm -hmm. first and foremost. Take care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally. Do, you know, make that a priority. Um And I, I would say the last thing is just really try to keep a positive attitude as hard as it might be in tough times and uh, try to just keep this sense of hope and humanity and respect people. Enrique, thank you so much. No, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Boy, you got me. It's like I've been in my one of my sessions here. You know, <laughs> my, it's like, and, you know, this has been very enjoyable, and you've done a heck of a job here. Really. <laughs> thank you, Enrique. Yeah. And that was my interview with Enrique Serna. A couple of quick announcements before you leave. For reference, you can access these episode's notes alongside other resources at bit.ly slash bts ep015 again that's bit.ly slash bts ep015 finally if you enjoyed listening to this interview the best way to support me on this podcast is by leaving a review on itunes thank you for tuning in and remember to live a life that moves you